seated. I invite you to turn in your pew Bibles or your own Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. We'll be focusing on verses 4 and 5, but if you're using the pew Bibles, smaller ones, that's page 974. Hear God's word, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, uh, we thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us in Christ. We thank you as well for giving to us uh, the word of God, holy scriptures that we can hold in our hands, read with our eyes. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving to us your Holy Spirit so that we might not only understand your word, but apply it to our walk of faith with Christ and Lord, we thank you um, for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Before I forget, two quick announcements. There are the new Today devotionals starting in January, February. They're available in the back, and then uh, Dirk very graciously uh, printed uh, these little pamphlets up. Worship isn't about you. Uh, what I Learned After Years of Leading, written by Bob Coughlin, who leads Sovereign Grace Music and Ministries. Uh, just a, a great, edifying and encouraging um, read about worship. But Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, thinking about Christ our Redeemer, God's gracious gifts. You know, think back for on the most memorable Christmas gifts uh, that you have ever received, or maybe that you hope to receive. It may have been a special doll or toy that every child longed for. It may have been a handmade gift, uh, like a knitted blanket or a special painting. Or maybe it was a costly gift of love, like an engagement ring or a special getaway with the family. 
You know, even as the years swiftly pass by, we, we still remember those special and memorable gifts. When we receive those special gifts, sometimes it can be difficult to express our gratitude you know, to those who gave to us with hearts of love. It's not always the cost of the gift, it, it's the love given. But sometimes a costly gift can be given in love. This, this morning we'll be unwrapping and prizing God's gracious gift or gifts of love to us as believers. You know, here in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, you can turn in your Bible or printed the verses there in our worship bulletin. You know, we can behold two beautiful gifts that God graciously gives to each of his beloved children, we who are but undeserving and unworthy sinners. And as we look at these two verses here on this Lord's Day, December 25th, we'll see that God graciously gives every believer the gifts of redemption and adoption in Christ. And why should we treasure God's gracious gifts? We'll see there's a gracious revelation, then a gracious redemption, and finally a a gracious reception. We begin with God's gracious revelation, you know, a a God-sent son. We're not looking at all of the book of Revelations this morning, but but a little bit of Bible background is helpful here. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote uh, this letter, this book of Galatians, to Jewish and Gentile Christians who had endured spiritual attacks from those who preached the false gospel. These verbal, these false teachers verbally attacked the Apostle Paul. Uh, They also taught a salvation by human works. You know, it's said that these ungodly agitators insisted that Christ was not enough for salvation. Uh, You needed something in addition to Christ. Uh, You know, for for the men, uh, they insisted on the circumcision, but really it's a a form of works righteousness which still exists today. You know, the Apostle Paul counters these attacks uh, with the biblical doctrine of justification by faith. It's there not only in Romans, but it's here in Galatians, Galatians 2 verse 16 Hear this verse, Galatians 2.16, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. You know, and now in Galatians 4, we learn that In Christ, we who were once slaves are now God's adopted sons and daughters in Christ. We're sinners saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You know, but look there at each of the the phrases, each of these gospel truths in Galatians 4. 
4 and 5. Um, it, it begins with that phrase, but when the fullness of time had come. You know, in, in God's sovereign timing, you know, he sent his son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to become flesh. We think of Christ's incarnation, his sinless life, his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross. You know, John Calvin put it this way, therefore the right time for the Son of God to be revealed to the world was for God alone to determine and judge. You know, we may be thinking, well, why didn't God wait and send Jesus after the printing press had been invented or the telegraph or certainly after telephones, cell phones, social media, how much more effective it would have been? No. You know, in in God's sovereign timing, he sent his son, Jesus, the perfect time in human history. You know, and as you go through the Old Testament prophecies, we read many of them during our service of lessons and carols a few Sundays ago. You know, and it all begins with Genesis 3.15, you know, that first promise of the gospel. You know, that the seed of woman, that was Christ, would crush the head of the serpent, which was Satan or, or sin. You know, and that scarlet cord of salvation goes through all of Scripture. You know, when you read the historical setting about Jesus' birth, you, you'll, you'll learn these truths. It was during a time of, of Pax Romana. You know, the, m- much of the civilized world was at peace. I'm sure there were skirmishes and riots taking place in corners, but by and large, it was a time of peace. As well, uh, the God's people and others were able to travel on Roman roads. I wish they would build Roman roads here in Louisiana. They are still standing there in, in Rome, well-built, well-engineered, and so people could easily travel about from town to town. And as well, Greek was the common language. You know, wherever you traveled then in the known world, you, you could speak Greek and communicate one with another. So in God's sovereign timing, in the fullness of time, God sent his son in his sovereign schedule. You know, but there's a, a sovereign truth. Look again at Galatians 4, 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. You know, just, just stop and meditate upon that for, for a moment. God the Father sent God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God sent his eternal son, his beloved son, the second person of the Trinity. You know, what a challenging task. You know, think of it this way. Abraham being called of God to offer his son Isaac. There on the altar, his only son Isaac. God sent forth his son. His son You know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, 
there in Isaiah verse 9, verse 6, but it's preceded by this, these two phrases, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. You know, so even there in Isaiah 9, verse 6, we, we hear that, that prophecy that, that God will send his son and our Savior. A sovereign and saving truth that God sent his son. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 puts it this way, 1 John 4, 9. In this, is love, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God sent his Son. He was sent to save us from our sins. C.S. Lewis put it this way. The Son of God became man so that we might become sons of God. You know, even in scripture we read about surprise births. You know, Isaac, born to Abraham and Sarah. Samuel to Hannah and Elkanah, John the Baptist to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Jesus' birth came as a sovereign surprise to Joseph, to Mary, to the the shepherds, and I believe it was a surprise to the Pharisees as well. You know, but as you follow Jesus' ministry before the cross, you know, we, we hear this phrase in Scripture at Jesus' baptism. You hear these words of God the Father to his Son, but others heard it as well. Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And then again at Jesus' transfiguration. In Mark chapter 9, verse 7, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Our gracious heavenly father revealed the depths of his love for us by sovereignly sending his son, our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, at just the right time. So there is a gracious revelation, a God-sent son, but it gets better. Here in Galatians chapter 4, God, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his, his son. You know, here thinking of, of gracious redemption, salvation in God's son. God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. You know, born of a woman. It doesn't tell us here in Galatians, but born of Mary, the virgin Mary. The biblical fact of Jesus' virgin birth, here it's implied in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, underlies this, this gospel truth. Jesus, the Son of God, is truly divine and he's truly human. That's what scripture is teaching us here. You know, God sent his Son, 
his divine son, but this divine son was born of a woman. You know, we sang the Christmas hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful, you know, and I love singing that on Christmas morning, you know, that last verse, Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. You know, but, but there, draw your attention to another line. Speaking of Jesus, lo, he abhors not the virgin's womb. You know, Jesus was not born of a woman reluctantly. Jesus, Son of God, didn't ask God the Father, are you really going to make me do this? You know, that, that's too humbling, too embarrassing, too lowly. You know, Jesus knew that, that this was the plan of salvation for us. Truly God and, and truly man. He was born of a woman, born under the law. You know, what does that mean? Since Jesus was truly human, and yes, truly Jewish as well, Jesus was obligated to keep the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And you see that in Jesus' life. You know, Jesus' mother and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day in obedience to God's law. Jesus went to the temple then again in Luke chapter 2 in in faithful obedience to to worship the Lord. Uh, Jewish youth was considered a man when he turned 13. Jesus was duty-bound to fully keep the law for us. Remember that truth of scripture, Hebrews? We went through Hebrews. I think it was in Sunday school, but there is a verse, Hebrews 12, 14. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You know, and that's the challenge for us. You know, how can we as unholy people ever see God? Well, Jesus Christ is the Holy One. Jesus Christ fully kept the law for us. He, he never sinned, tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. You know, the first Adam was disobedient. You know, the second Adam, which is Christ, was perfectly obedient. And Jesus' perfect obedience was for our salvation. Born of a woman, born under the law, but there's a third part there. To redeem those who were under the law. You know, we are the ones under the law. Under the law's condemnation. The law convicts us of sin. The law reminds us of our need for Christ. And yes, the law as well is... Still God's rules for righteous living. You know, but, but we were under the law, especially the condemnation under the law. And so Jesus redeemed those who were under the law. Only Jesus Christ, the one who is truly God and truly man, who fully obeyed the law for us, who faithfully died for our sins on the cross, and shed his blood to cleanse us from all unrighteousness could redeem us. 
You know, that, that word redeem has the idea of buying one out of slavery. You would pay that exorbitant sum so that that one who was born in slavery or was a debtor, you know, could be, could be delivered, could enjoy freedom from slavery. You know, he purchased our freedom from the deadly bondage of sin. Reformation Study Bible has a note that puts it this way. The price of our redemption was paid by the Father in the blood of his Son. You know, we see that truth in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Let me read them for us. Knowing that you were ransomed, or we could say redeemed, From the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, Christ redeemed us. Just to emphasize that again, Titus chapter 2 verse 14 speaks of the the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So God the Father sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, gladly, graciously, gave himself for our sins to to redeem us. Philip Ryken put it this way in his commentary. When God sent his son, he sent him to die. Christ did redeem us, and he did it as a perfect God-man who died on the cross to save sinners. You cannot truly rejoice at Christmas unless you're also rejoicing in Christ's death for your sins, my sins, at the cross of Calvary. You know, we were under the curse of of the law for our sinful disobedience. And Christ became a curse for us. Galatians 3 verse 13. He redeemed us. You know, you, you might have thought it strange this morning that we sang the power of the cross on Christmas Sunday. That, w- that was a del- deliberate choice of mine, thankful for, for the, uh, our great worship team. You know, why, why sing that on Christmas Day? Well, here again, uh, that second verse, you know, thinking about Christ, our Redeemer, Christ who redeemed those who were under the law. You know, the second verse, you know, thinking of the, the cross. Oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin, every bitter thought, every evil deed crowning your blood-stained brow. The first chorus, this the power of the cross, Christ became 
sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. And then here again, that last chorus, chorus two. This, the power of the cross, son of God, slain for us. What a love, what a cost. We stand forgiven at the cross. You know, that, that's what we are rejoicing in as Christians on this Lord's Day. Yes, on this Christmas Sunday. You know, that God the Father sent God the Son, not only to, to be born as a babe in a manger, but more importantly, to die for our sins on the cross of Calvary. So it's a gracious redemption that, that we enjoy, possess even now through faith in Christ. A salvation in God's Son. But finally there, you know, the last part of Galatians 4, verse 5, to read, let me read the whole, these two verses again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. You know, and now, now the second gift, so that we might receive adoption as sons. You know, if you're, if you're like me, if you're prone to think, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with redemption, Lord. Thank you very much. You know, God said, well, you know, there's another gift for you. And that's the gift of adoption. This gracious reception. You know, we, there's a sonship that we enjoy in, in God's son. But, but thinking about that word reception, you have received. You know, again, you can see that salvation is, is all the work of, of God, our true triune God. And God sent his son, you know, born of, of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. You know, but, but now we, we see that salvation is all of God as we hear that truth so that we might receive adoption as sons. You know, God redeems us. You know, we gladly receive this gracious gift of adoption. You know, we receive. I don't use sports illustrations too often, but it, it came to mind the other day for, for two reasons. Franco Harris, uh, a football great for the Pittsburgh Steelers, we lived near Pittsburgh for a few years, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He died at the age of 72. And if you know anything about football, uh, Franco Harris is known for what Sports writers termed uh, the immaculate reception. And, and it's true. You can watch the video clip. The, the situation was this. The Pittsburgh Steelers were playing the Oakland Raiders in, in a divisional playoff. Terry Bradshaw was, her, was the quarterback. He threw a pass. I forget the whole order of events. Uh, but it either hit a fellow some debate, a fellow Pittsburgh Steeler or may have hit an opponent. 
And lo and behold, you know, the, the ball ended up in Franco Harris's hands. And with 22 seconds left, Franco Harris grabbed that football, scored the touchdown uh, that won the game uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Immaculate reception. Um, but I believe there is a more gracious, more glorious reception here in Galatians 4, verse 5. You have received adoption as sons. Sons and daughters. They use that word sons there because sons were the heirs. That's the way uh, the lineage worked. You know, but it includes all of God's children. In order that we, notice that, that plural pronoun, we, both Jews and Gentiles, that was vitally important here. It's not only Jews who were adopted, you know, because they were sons of Abraham, but Gentiles were adopted in order that we might receive adoption. Our gracious God initiated and completed the work of our redemption, but he also adopted us as his redeemed children by his grace for our good and and for his glory. You know, hear this, Romans chapter 8, probably be a few weeks before Sunday school gets to Romans 8, one of the great gospel chapters in scripture, but here Romans 8, verse 15 and 16, as we think about adoption, Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received, again, that that verb, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, God God has redeemed us in Christ. God has graciously adopted us in his family. Adoption as sons. You know, with with all the, the legal rights, with all the love that is shown to uh Children who are born by blood, you know, we we are those sons and daughters. Terry Johnson helps us here. He writes, the purpose of the incarnation of Christ and the purpose of Christmas is that we might be redeemed, adopted as children into the family of God and fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 puts it this way, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. You know, when we're trusting in Christ for our salvation, you know, he redeems us. He adopts us into his family. We receive adoption, you know, as God's gracious gift to us. Close with this illustration. You know, when we buy, wrap, and receive Christmas gifts, or give our Christmas gifts, uh, we often keep the sales slip or credit receipt. 
you know, why is that? Oh, this is not the right size, or I'd like a different color. Our family has had that discussion in the past, not so much anymore. So you say, okay, just, you know, here, you can return it, you know, and, and get another gift. You know, the recipient might want to return our chosen gift for another gift. You know, but here in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, you know, when, when God gives us, you know, that that gracious gift of redemption in Christ, he graciously gives us and, and we receive that adoption as sons. You know, we're, we're never going to say, no, let me take this back. Lord, I really don't want this. Give it to someone else. No, we, we will gladly, joyfully uh, receive that gift. You know, what should be our response to these two gracious gifts of redemption and adoption? You know, first, gladness. Gladness, praising our gracious God. You know, not, not just on, on Christmas Day, you know, but, but always. You know, the, the struggle with Christmas, some people, you know, are just, they're happy for the day, but then the next day comes, oh, I didn't get the gift I wanted. Or our children would often say, you know, is that all there is? You know, surrounded by wrapping paper. You know, we're, we will never say that with God's gracious gifts. The second, gratefulness. Not only gladness, but gratefulness. Prayers of thanksgiving. You know, consider doing this on this Christmas day. I think it's great to sing Christmas hymns, but, you know, spend time praying, saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this gift of redemption. Thank you that you have adopted us into your family. You know, but what's the last response and you'll see it in the hymn that we'll close with after communion. We're called to go and tell others. Not only tell it on the mountains. We'd have a hard time finding mountains here in Louisiana. You know, but go and tell the lost, sin-weary world around us that there is hope. There is grace in God's gift of redemption. In Christ Jesus, we rejoice that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to save sinners. Sinners like you, sinners like me, by his grace and for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we we praise and thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above But on this Sunday, December 25th, uh, this day the world calls Christmas, Lord, we especially thank you for your gift of redemption in Christ Jesus, that you are the one who purchased our salvation by your death for our sins on the cross, your blood that was shed to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And better yet, Lord, you have adopted us as your sons and daughters. Thank you that nothing 
can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And Lord, may that give us cause for rejoicing, not only on on this day, Lord, but every day as we conclude uh, this year of 2022. And may we continue to be rejoicing, even on January 20. January 1st, 2023, Lord, rejoicing that we are beloved in Christ, bought with your blood. Thank you that you have given us that gospel task of telling others this good news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.